What's up, guys? Welcome back to another daily Bible reading snapshot. Today, we're looking at Exodus 16, 17, and 18 here in the Old Testament. And God is going to miraculously provide for his people multiple times here. First of all, in chapter 16, it says, As Israel grumbles, as they complain in the wilderness, they don't even ask God rightly for what they're asking God for, but God still miraculously provides food for them. He gives them bread from heaven. It's called manna. So this weird flaky material that kind of comes down at night like dew on the ground and they're supposed to gather it all up, that comes to Israel for about 40 years as they're in the wilderness. So they're sustained miraculously by God. And we actually already talked about this in the book of Matthew, but we see Jesus kind of repeating a similar miracle when he feeds his people with bread in the wilderness. And he actually says something about himself as the bread of life in John 6 after he does one of those feedings. So this happens here in chapter 16, and it says they also needed water. So chapter 17, they complain about not having water, and they say to Moses, hey, Give us something to drink. And Moses goes to God and they strike the rock at Horeb and water gushes out. God gives them water, but it doesn't happen without them fighting about it. So that's not a perfect scene here. It's not like they go to God and they trust God completely and then God provides and then they're thankful. It's a rocky road as you're going to read along the way. Then it says at the middle or the end of chapter 17 that there's a battle against Amalek. So Joshua now is the, the lead commander. Obviously, Moses is an old man. He's in his 80s at this point. So he's an old guy. But Joshua stands and fights and he fights against Amalek. And it's this weird scene where if Moses's hands are raised up, God has Israel prevail. But if his hands go down, then he they don't prevail. So it says Aaron and Hur come alongside and hold up his hands, one on one side, one on the other. So his hands went down, or his hands were, were up steady until the setting of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then it says, there's a promise for the future. It says that God is going to utterly blot out the memory of Amalek before or from under heaven. So all the people from the Amalekites or from Amalek are going to be wiped out. Now, is there ever a time in the Bible we come across a Amalekite? Yeah, there is one. Um, we get one of them. His name is Agag. He's the king. And it says in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul was supposed to put him to death and kill him. Saul doesn't do it. So Samuel has to come along and put him to death. And then later on in, in 2 Samuel 8, it says that David fights against the Amalekites and he subdues them. So God is kind of already showing you here in the book of Exodus that Israel is against the Amalekites. They're the bad guys. So it's very clear here. And Israel wins the day because God wins the day. It's not that Israel's stronger or more powerful or smarter. It's that God has them prevail because that's God's plan. Now, chapter 18, as God has just provided bread, and water and a victory. Now God is going to provide some good advice for Moses from his father-in-law Jethro. This is that guy named Ruel who we already saw earlier in the book who again obviously meets Moses early on in Moses's life when he was about 40 years old. Now they come back into Jethro's or Ruel's area and this is where he lived in the land of Midian. They're in the wilderness now on the other side of the Red Sea and it says as they're talking Jethro looks at all the problems and all the things that Moses has to do and he says hey Moses you really should delegate some of that authority. You really should be helping you should have other people help you deal with the problems that are in Israel. How can one man 
lead a group of a million people. That's really hard to do. And I know you're impressive, Moses, but you're not that impressive. You need to get captains underneath you. You need to get people who are underneath you so that they can bear the burden with you. So he picks some elders. He picks some important people from the tribes, and they will help Moses run the place. So God provides bread. He provides water. He provides a victory. And he also provides insight and advice from Jethro. Just want you to see God provides in all these different ways. And we, instead of being like the Israelites and grumbling because we don't have everything we want, we need to stop and be thankful for the good things that God provides for his people. He's provided it for Israel. We know that means God can provide. And if we stop and think about our lives, we'd be very um, we'd be very unthankful and ungrateful to, to not realize all of the things that God has provided for us, specifically in his son, Jesus, which is what we're going to talk about next year in Matthew chapter 19. Now, Jesus talks to this rich young man who comes to him and the young man says, hey, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So he thinks I can, I can get my way in here if I can just figure out what, what's the ticket. What's the good thing I have to do so I can just check it off the list and then I'm going to heaven. And Jesus says, well, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you'll enter life, keep the commandments. So only God's good. So you're asking if you're good enough, just recognize God is the only one that's good. So you're not good enough. So you can't make it on your own, but God has given some commandments. So have you kept the commandments? And he's like, yeah, I've kept all of them since my youth. And he says, okay, great. Well, if you've kept all the commandments, then your heart must be right before God. So um, if that's really true, this will be a really easy request for you because obviously doing the commandments is a lot harder than this. So how about this? Jesus says, well, then go and sell everything you have. Um, and, and give it to the poor and then come follow me because that's what your idol. And he, he pinpoints this guy's idol, which was his stuff, his money. And it says he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Jesus turns to the disciples and says, wow, how hard is it for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God? Not that it's impossible, not that it can't happen, but just know how hard it is for them because they have a lot of stuff. And Jesus makes that very clear that it's hard. And then the disciples say, well, that sounds impossible. And Jesus says, well, it's impossible with man, sure, but it's not impossible with God. God can save any type of person, but he has to change their heart. And Peter says something that seems kind of selfish. He's like, well, Jesus, we left everything, which again, he left something significant. He left a business. He left his fishing boat. Matthew left his tax booth, right? I mean, th these people did leave a lot of things. And Jesus says, yeah, you did leave everything. And truly, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Interesting that that comes up here in the New Testament. So clearly there's some looking forward that there's still, that's the whole 12 tribes is still going to be important in, in the future. And then it says, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. So you're going to be rewarded greatly, but that's only a small thing when you really think about the eternal life that Jesus gives you. And he says, but many who are first will be last. And he lasts first. So there are going to be some people who seem like they're ahead of the pack that are really going to be last in the kingdom of God, which should remind you as you think of the rich young ruler who was always first in line, who always was important. And it seems like he's not that important because it doesn't seem like he responded rightly. Maybe he responded rightly later, but we don't see that here. Um, but it seems like here he doesn't respond rightly. Um, so as we think about this, we say, 
I need to respond rightly to whatever Jesus calls me to do, whether that be to give up a certain sin, whether that be to serve him today. I just know that if he calls me to it, I need to be like Peter and the disciples who did give up everything because Jesus says it's always worth it to serve me. So serve Jesus today. Thanks for reading. We'll see you back tomorrow for another Daily Bible Reading Snapshot. Thank you.